Go for it. What's it called? Domaine Pichot. Pichot? Pico? Pichot. Domani Pichot. <laughs> you, that was an Italian accent. Oh, it's French. <laughs> of course, it's champagne. <laughs> But that's okay. She's undoing the cork and oh, what a sound. How are you got a fright? Sorry, mate. So we've just opened a beautiful bottle of champagne and it's called Which is, is not uncommon for us. Not uncommon at all. No. And we've poured it into two glasses and we're about to cheers and then we will say what we're doing. <laughs> cheers. cheers. So um my name is Laura Lethleen. I am Katie Cawthorne. And we are um we are, we have a, we're theatre makers and we have a theatre company. It's called The Anchor. You may have heard of us. And we... <laughs> or probably not. <laughs> and we're in week one of a three-week residency and we thought this would be a very fun way of documenting what we're doing. We also happen Absolutely. to share a passion for champagne. Very much so. And when we say champagne, we use the term loosely because mostly it's sparkling wine because we can't <laughs> afford champagne. Um, but we, for special occasions... In such is the very first ever podcast of yeah, all time. Actually, I feel like this is the first actual true champagne we've drunk together. Mm. I think we've probably only drunk we've been sparkling faking it wine. Until now. Yeah, for for well, how long have we known each other? Six years Since or so now. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, six years. Um, it's been it's a long time years. coming. <laughs> Finally, we've splashed out being artists. In a residency, and we have uh, purchased our first bottle of champagne Real to French share together from the Provence Champagne. <laughs> and um, it's delish. It is. It's yeah. we, as we've discussed before. It's apricotty <laughs> with a backwash of cheese. <laughs> Do you want to call it a backwash? Yeah. I don't know. I, I we need to figure term. out ways of talking about <laughs> champagne. If we do this, so the plan is that we're going to talk about champagne, mm-hmm. and we're going to share a bottle of champagne. As we do this, we're also going to talk about what we've just done in our residency over the past week, and then we're going to talk about a play that we saw last night, just and to cap it all off. Exactly. But the hope will be that we can continue this series uh, each with a new new bottle of champagne or sparkling, because I think we've already yeah, put, we've our, put our budget, <laughs> uh, and uh, continue to talk about the plays, the works that we've seen and what's inspired us. Um, and what's, yeah, what's happening in the theatre scene, I guess, that, that we're within. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've talked about the champagne. We got it, we, we, you know, should we give it, just in case anyone's intrigued, <laughs> we got it from Seddon Wine Store. Yes. It's called Domaine Pichot or Domani Pichon. <laughs> depends on whether you're... It depends Australian. on how good you are at stereotypical um, accents. It's from 2016. <laughs> it's a champagne and you can get it for like 31 bucks. Yeah, good from, price. From the certain wine store. So hit that up. We've also got Harry here with us. He is the house dog and he we've, we've made him into our residency dog. Yes, well. he came in today and he was very cute. He's now a feminist. And he had a lot to contribute. There's a lot to say. And he's chosen off his own accord to be part of the podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. I will also say that generally we don't drink champagne without Red Rock Deli salt and vinegar chips. (laughs) So you might hear this every now and then. We will try not to do it too much because I can imagine in your ears as you're listening to this, that will be quite painful. So... This week, we have been um, developing an idea that we 
did explore when we first met um, back in 2014 when we were both at NIDA and Katie needed to do her grad show. I feel like it needs to, there needs to be some sort of sound effect every time we mention NIDA. Yes. I feel like it's a clank, <laughs> like <laughs> sales and crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or some sort of just like, But, so Katie needs to do a grad show. The play that she was going to do, Slut, fell through because of the playwright's um, objections to the casting choices, which was... Katie wanted to do it with all men um, because she wanted to explore how gender expectations can be made explicit using a male cast. So then, instead of doing that, we ended up devising a piece based around, I, I guess, using slut for a, as a like a text, like yeah, a kind of foundational text, but yeah, based inspiration around, and stimulus, kind of, yeah, yeah. But bas- it was about how expectations upon girls growing up result in certain behaviors and also result in the confining of the female yeah and and the perpetuating of this uh stereotype i don't like to use the word stereotypical but the perpetuating of the the way women exist within the system that we live in that and so we did that in 2014 and it was beautiful and we luckily we filmed it because We've watched it in recent times and thought it only went for 19 minutes back then and we thought, well, we should make this into a longer piece because it's still just as relevant. Mm. And and we, we also had quite strong audience response from it. Yeah. And it wasn't always positive at all. It was, you know, why why did you feel the need to, to take away women's roles on stage mm-hmm. and have men play these roles? Yeah. Um, a lot of, yeah, there were, I remember quite a few female actors were pretty angry that we did this. Uh, but I remember there were a lot of women who were pleased to see it presented in a different light and it, it um, stimulated a huge amount of conversation. Uh, whether it be positive or negative, it was conversation around mm. what was going on, um, what do we need to continue to talk about here. Yeah, which is kind of our, always our aim when we make work. It's just it's about asking questions and getting audiences to stimulating them to ask questions yeah. around the assumptions that they have walked into the theatre with. Yeah, to question their own thinking around mm. perhaps things that are presented as givens and to perhaps even shift that thinking in mm. some way Yeah, when they leave or, uh, you know, if, even days after they've left. <laughs> yeah, and just, just plant those seeds or, you know, put that grain of sand in the oyster to one day <laughs> make create a pearl. pearl. The pearl of wisdom. There you go. The complete <laughs> metaphor. Um, so we decided that that wasn't enough and we needed to do it. We needed to lengthen this piece yeah. and, and kind of investigate it in today's context six years later. And we've looked at it recently and realised that we touched on a lot of ideas but we didn't delve deep enough mm. into those ideas and, and they really need to be given more time yeah. and thought and yeah is it still relevant now and in fact i think we've discovered that it's even more relevant absolutely yeah so we've done that but we've also interestingly um been developing this one-man show around the fatigue of feminism and how we hear so many we've heard we've heard so much about feminism we hear so many women talking about it and we hear you know the repeated analysis of pop culture and male behavior and we, with this whole Me Too movement, we've seen people go to court over 
um, kind of all, all of this new kind of fourth wave feminism stuff. And there comes a point where as a woman, you want to just stop discussing it because you want it just to be a part of the world and the way the, the assumptions are in the world. Yeah. That they've, they've changed in a way. And I think because it has been given so much air, I don't want to call it airtime, but that it's been... Um, focused. Yeah, on. focused on so much more, which is awesome. People have become numb to it. Mm, and yeah. so it's just, it's there, but it's, it's, there's no change around it. Mm. And we were talking about this the other day, you know, people still are making work about these very issues and why are people still making work about it because nothing's bloody changing the thinking is still there uh, yeah we still laugh when a sexist joke yeah, is made yeah it's so ingrained yeah. and, and in the systems that we live in and we're unaware that it's even it it's even part of part of our psyche until it's called out or presented in a different light. And, yeah. that, and that's the purpose of Little Bitch. Absolutely. And, so, that's, and, that's, and that's, I guess, the justification around using men. Because mm. using women and, and showing women under the expectations that women are often put under yeah. in today's society, it kind of, it does, it's not doing what we want to do, which is to make those expectations ex- explicit. Yeah. So sort of put those expectations upon men is kind of the only way, unless we had... I don't know, robots that you could do it on that were completely... Well, but then we wouldn't be emotionally attached, so we yeah, wouldn't really care. Whereas yeah. the point is that we need to be invested, yeah. so we need to empathise as a human, and so we need to see another human going through it, but a human that doesn't normally go through it. Yeah, yeah, and the only people that don't go through that are kind of white, straight males yeah. or straight males yeah. living in Western society. Yeah, so we'll just be clear now. We are totally aware that this is this is a, a, gen, a binary... Uh, sorry, binary gendered work. Mm. Um, it is ma- looking at male and female because it is looking at obviously the biological male and female, and then um, the the shift once they begin to grow up and the expectation. Yeah, to perform on the cisgendered. Or, yeah, yeah, to perform your gender. Yeah, that the gender that matches your biological biological gender. sex. Yes. Biological sex. Yeah. Um, and then, I, but I also think that this play is about people who are cisgendered as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. And so, I, I also mentioned that it was called Little Bitch before, but I, I don't know. I've said Little Bitch, but I don't know if we called it. Oh, we, yes. So we're, we're clear about the bitch. title. So I'm not just calling Laura a little bitch. It <laughs> is Harry, called Little Bitch. <laughs> Harry's a male That's dog, right. so he can't yeah. even be called that. Um, so we've we've just finished our first week in residency yes. at the Bluestone Church Arts Space, and it has been amazing, unbelievable. Yeah, because we have worked in there from literally ten to five every day. Yeah, we have had space and we have had time, and we are taking every we are sucking up everything that it's giving to us. Absolutely. We've covered the space in butcher's paper. We There's just brainstorms and ideas oh, and just so much research, yeah. so much discussion. And just, I, I was saying to you yesterday how just not having to cram in all of the stuff mm. outside of life, like having my life be, okay, cool, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to do the work that I know how to do because I was trained to do it yeah. and that I'm interested in. And that like, it's such a pleasure to spend your time doing something you're good at because yeah. it feels like yeah i don't know it feels like something's like there's progress being made yeah and yeah and the you can give it everything you've got you know so much theater 
especially in Australia, because we don't have the money behind us, is made in a rush. Yeah. It's and, and that can be beneficial sometimes. You know, sometimes you really do have to make faster decisions and they can be really beneficial to the work. But to be constantly making everything on the fly can be very um, wearing and it's not always good for the work. Mm. And I think especially with this work, having the time to really investigate our intentions around it. Mm. Like do like earlier in the week we did this um evaluation where we just basically gave ourselves aims to for the work and for what we wanted the audience to do like to how we wanted the audience to respond as the play goes on and to have the time to kind of focus on those specific outcomes and therefore aim towards them and therefore when you're in the room working with actors as we will be next week if we get lost or if we get sidetracked kind of coming back to those initial aims yeah it'll just make the work so much stronger because we have this these initial well researched and well intention intended outcomes that we're striving towards, yeah, yeah. as opposed to like oh, I don't know, I yeah. guess I guess this fits in. Which is let's kind include of a how dance we now. made it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were talking about that the other day, and it's a very different process now because we're very clear about our process mm. because we've created a number of works together. We know how each other works, and we know our roles in the room, and we. Yeah, we're, we're really, um, I suppose, super organised, but we have a very clear system that we work under. Yeah. And and we want to delve deeper into everything. That's the whole point. Yeah, exactly. And to have the time to do that and really... Yeah. Because this play, it's about gender performativity, but it's also about, I think it's a lot about the female experience of being watched in public and what it's like to be watched so much and, and kind of therefore have to perform a lot of a lot of what you're doing when you're in the public realm yeah and and justify that and justify that and and i think that so within theater obviously there's an audience in theater and so to be able to be very clear about the way in which we want the audience to be watching our male performers and how that will affect our male performers and at what point is that friendly and what point is that threatening Mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing there's actually quite technical we have the time to really analyze that and explore it how we're going to do that and therefore use the medium of theater in a way that is a bit more rich than Mm. just let's Mm. just put it up in front of people and hopefully they'll watch it for the length of it yeah yeah Yeah. exactly and and work to the medium's strengths yes exactly because otherwise we could just make a film yeah or or write a thesis yeah yeah but but specifically using the the medium of theater and work to the you know the the this, the quality that, that comes with theatre of being in a space together, in a situation together for a specific amount of time that where something will, on, will only happen once. Mm. So even no matter how many times you perform that work or that work is performed with different audiences, it would be different every time. And it's that sense of this, this being this one experience mm. and, a, and, a, mm. and a, an agreement between everyone who's in that room that we are all in this together. Yeah. And within that like lies that concept of complicity and mm. being complicit within what's happening, which is also something that we're very interested in within this piece because we, you know, I, a lot of these reinforced stereotypes that continue regardless of how often we discuss and we feminism call them out. Yeah. is because everyone's so almost unconsciously complicit mm-hmm. within the the way within these expectations yeah and because because the expectations are so normalized yeah and so using that kind of 
the discipline of theatre mm-hmm. and then kind of using that complicitness to point out our complicity within the general day-to-day society, societal yeah. living. Yeah, all of those things I think are really interesting and I think you have to kind of acknowledge them in a way now because there are so many different ways of uh, consuming stories and consuming media. Yeah. So if, you, if you're going to bother going to the theatre and if you're going to bother making theatre, you have to almost acknowledge those the context that we're yeah, living in yeah, yeah. that we're, we're working within yeah. absolutely and yeah and those the differences and and the weirdness of, of what theater is like yeah. the fact that like it's bizarre yeah it's such a it's a, such a strange kind of thing in itself yeah and so you but it's also the, those strange the things that make it strange are also things that make it special and unique and mm-hmm. unlike going and just you know watching a film or even watching like this just reminds me of last night there was one point in it where i so we saw a show we saw a show last, last night, night which we'll talk about we'll talk about in a second <laughs> but there was one point where i yawned yep right towards the end because it was getting like as long and i was like oh my it was the first time i seen a show in ages because i've been overseas yeah. and I, I hadn't really seen any theater i was in mexico i hadn't seen much theater and so i came home and this was the first time i've seen a show since i've been back in australia and I yawned and then I realized obviously the actors can see me. Like, that's so rude. <laughs> you can't And there's hide this that. weird yeah. like, etiquette yeah. that you take on as an audience member that is also about performing. But not back all to audience them. members take well, that no. on. We but take that expected. on because we're yeah. aware of what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> but it is expected, yeah. 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 So I think it's time for a top up. Yes. A chip. <laughs> <laughs> And Harry's left us. He's mm-hmm. he's over it. He's bored. Yeah. He's gone over to the other side of the bed now. And then we can chat about uh, the show we saw last night. Yes. Um, which was called The Great Australian, the Great Australian Play, Play by Kim Ho. And it was uh, produced by, what were they called? What was their... Montague Basement. Montague Basement. So I think they're a Sydney-based company. Mm. But uh, I think the... The artistic director or the director has been studying in Melbourne. Mm. So I think they're making work between Melbourne and Sydney, which is awesome. Uh, and, yeah, it was, it, it's one of the early works of the year for Theatre Works in St Kilda. Um, a lot of programming on there this year, which yeah, is fantastic. Stuff. Yeah. And I was so impressed, like, last night, it, the place was sold mm. out. There were so many people Absolutely there. Absolutely packed. It was brilliant. And that's fantastic because we did a show there last may mm-hmm. in may last year mm-hmm. and we we i think we got a pretty good o- opening night. night yeah we were full um but <laughs> yeah we were full <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were <laughs> um but you know i think that it's great to see theater works maintaining that kind of excitement and mm. you know the people will make i know this sounds crazy but make the trek out to yeah because it, it is it's kind of it's it's in a place that is inaccessible, but it's was such an institution, and it's nice yeah. to see that it's opened its doors again to to indie theatre, and especially because they they are struggling with funding at the moment. Mm. There's you know there's there was a new round of project of um, four year funding with Osco, and I know that um, Theatre Works didn't go through to that next round, so. They are working to find their funding elsewhere, but they have still managed to put up so many programs for artists this year. Mm. And uh, it's, yeah, it's really new, exciting programs. It's, it's, and it was, yeah, it was awesome to see so many people there supporting it last night. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was really great. Um, and so the show, 
the show is interesting. It's it's I think calling it the Great Australian Play is a great title because mm. it's already got this kind of ambition to it that's impossible to live to, up to. Yeah, to reach. And therefore, yeah. it's there's an irony even within the title. Yeah, I actually saw this the play get read um, at the end of I think twenty. I want to say 2018 um, at, at VCA when all the writers were doing their writing writers yep. um, showings. showings. Yep. Yeah. And I remember really enjoying it because of how absurd and how surprising it was. And yeah. Like you kind of didn't have an idea about where it was going to go. Which it's I a, certainly felt in the second act. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was pleased because... I had, you know, after watching the first act, it was all based kind of in the same realm. And I thought to myself, I really want them to shift things yeah, yeah, yeah. dramatically for the second act. And they did. They did. Yeah. So the, the setup, I guess, is that there was, there's this, there's this legend. And the legend is about this guy called Lassiter. Lassiter? Yes. Yeah. And I actually don't know. I, I think, I don't know if this is a real legend. It I must think it be. Must yeah. be because well, why would Lassiter's in Neighbours be oh, called yeah, Lassiter's? True. There has to be some this has historical to be <laughs> reason because you know we we know about the dramaturgy. Well, of and actually, that probably makes sense now because there was there were those moments where the Neighbours soundtrack came oh, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's all true. Connected. So maybe there was Unless references. They were, yeah, they were just, they just playing yeah. to the lowest of the low, like me. <laughs> going, oh yeah, Neighbours. So Lassiter is this guy and he is, and we kind of get all of this in the first 10 minutes of the play because we, there's a big monologue that opens the play. Mm-hmm. So he's this guy, he's living in, I would say, maybe the end of the 1800s in Australia. I want to say that because yeah. it's pre-Federation. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, he is about a gold rush in Kalgoorlie, but he's in Sydney. So he realises, or maybe he's in Cairns. He's on the East Coast. Yeah. Of Australia, and so he realizes that he's going to have to cross the desert to get to Kalgoorlie, yep. which is near Perth, in order to be a part of this gold rush. Just for those of you listening overseas, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so he's like, "All right, I'm going to do it." So he gets two horses and he starts basically crossing Australia, and he doesn't even leave Queensland before things start to go awry. He starts to, you know, run out of water. The horses, I think there was a beautiful line in that monologue about the horse's leg shaking that I remember. This is, I'm amazed that you are saying this. Remember I, this? I don't remember any oh, of Oh, really? That, but this, this is like one of those, it's a great reminder for theatre makers, but it's also, you know, it, it reminds us that every audience member brings with them their different oh, ways of learning absolutely. and approaches. Yeah, and, and reading my, what's happening. The way I read things is totally through physicality. And so <laughs> I'm like, tell me a story. All of that, yeah, yeah, all of that was, I was like in and out and in and out, but very obsessed with watching the what, actor's shadow, the silhouette yeah, I could the, see. Like, so while this is happening, so while this story is being told to us over, the, the accent is like kind of like quite broad Australian, it's a voiceover. And there's a, a black, almost like a scrim, scrim I'd yeah. say. And then there's a red light behind the scrim and you, and a silhouetted movement of a body kind of almost interpreting what's happening mm. in the monologue. Yeah, moments of beautiful moments of imagery. Yeah. And yeah um, st- where the strong symbols were and strong yeah. imagery. And I just was on, on that and I don't remember anything anything okay well I'll you tell remember you all the words so then so this guy is making his way to Kalgoorlie doesn't even can't even leave Queensland before his um he's run out of water his his um horses are dying and but he 
discovers this huge, um, like he, he calls it like a reef. So I guess like an ancient yeah, reef. I remember the reef. Yeah. <laughs> of gold. So there's this, like this big kind of like um, vein Cavernous, of gold yeah. through the land. And he's like, oh, jackpot. And so he, I think, I think then what happens is that he gets as much as he can, but, and then gets to the nearest town and kind of like hides it away and then spends basically the rest of his life trying to get an expedition to go back to the, this reef and mine it for all the gold he can. But by the time he kind of gets himself together, cause he goes overseas and comes back and rah, rah, he has spent all the gold and therefore has no proof yeah, that there's that anything exists. Yeah. And so then he finally um, convinces a bunch of people to fund this expedition to go out and find the reef for, to, to mine the gold, but then they never return. I think that's like the 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 major the the story. I think yeah. that's the legend, right, 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 that this this play is based off. Yeah, but then we cut and it quickly goes into how present times, present times yeah. and we've got I think five um, people who are all like TV writers or film mm, writers, writers, and they're trying to work out how what's the best way to tell this story to a modern audience, and what's the best way to pitch this story to. Someone who's going to fund it for a film. Yeah. It felt like it was really, they actually didn't give a shit about the story. They were just about trying to get some money yeah. to make Which some work. Which is interesting because, <laughs> and I feel like this could have maybe been teased out a bit more. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's suddenly this parallel between these people in present day wanting to literally hit the jackpot yeah. with this story. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy back in the Doing day the who, had, who wanted to hit the jackpot yeah. by finding gold. So yeah. there's a parallel there. And I think the playwright had that parallel going into yeah. writing it. Yeah. But then I think the absurdity of the play kind of ends up taking over and so that yeah. parallels kind of it was lost a bit. It's a bit lost. Yeah. But I, I did really enjoy that and I liked um the the fact that the motivation like there, I felt like there there was potential for a bit of a critique about when we're motivated by things like money yeah. or gold. Or truth like the story itself yeah 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 and and how does that change so yeah so i think the setup is it's fascinating and and the fact that i didn't know that this was an australian legend but Mm. knowing that it is is also a really good way to kind of delve into what the fuck is australia yeah because i think that's you know an interesting question that we still haven't been able to answer yeah absolutely and i think that's what was you know, posed all the way through the work were these provocations as, you know, is this Australia? Is this Australia? Yeah. Is this Australia? It was all the representations that we've all seen. Yeah. Uh, but it, it really makes you cringe when you're watching it because you are Australian. You're like, oh, yeah, God, but that's what other people we... think we are and that's what we laugh at and we think we are that and yeah. we're proud of that. But no, we're not that. Yeah. And weirdly, and I said this to you last night, my favourite part of Act 1 which I actually think was very representative of being Australian, was they had this moment where one of the writers who was trying to pitch an idea to do this um, legend to and make it into a film, she was kind of taking a break and so she puts her headphones on and presses play on her iPhone and starts listening to the podcast of Richard Watts's Smart Arts. And I just was like, this is Australia. Like, this is, but this, this is, is my Australia experience yeah, of Australia. Yeah, but for the specific yeah. audience is watching this play. <laughs> But it was interesting. I was like, these little representations of observations that mm. the playwrights made 
are gorgeous. And yes, those tiny yeah. moments. And uh, I'm I'm going to bastardize this, but there was another beautiful moment where the uh, role of the the I guess the the indigenous role came through, and it, it was symbolic of the indigenous culture of mm-hmm. Australia and. Um, moved so beautifully into the contemporary space from the the land. So the set was a, a really a beautiful piece of desert. It was red sand yeah, in the gorgeous. space. And it immediately evoked that desert. And he moved from that land into the contemporary space where the dining room table was and yeah. moved around uh, as this woman talked about uh, trying to understand or, or this being her land yeah, and, and trying to understand yeah. his plight. That's right. And she or, was asking him questions. She was like, yeah, who are you? Yeah. Where are we? What? Like she just kept probing him with all these questions and he was just was doing his own, like his own, his own trajectory. His, his connection. Yeah. yeah. And then, but then he, he pretty much threw the questioning back in her face mm. um, saying, you know, do, are you, do you really, because she was sort of saying by the end, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, you know, I totally... I'm on oh, your yeah, side. Yeah, 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 side. yeah. And he's he sort like, of, no, yeah, it was all, yeah. Yeah. Like and yeah. I kind of wanted more of that yeah. as well. And that, uh, yeah. that, ex- that sense of accountability to be thrown back on the audience. Yeah. Because we all, you know, um, yeah, like I'm totally like, uh, you know, I have a worm farm and I have a co- yeah. compost. And so I'm doing my absolute best. Yeah, Are exactly. You? Like I, yeah. I sometimes watch Four Corners when it's yeah, about, exactly. you know, Q&A. Yeah, exactly. Q&A. Yeah, right. But, you know, is it... But what do your actions say? And are you actually with these people? Yeah, yeah. These How people? authentic is this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I, and I wanted more of that. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, there were so many interesting things in this play. Mm. And there were so many ways that it could could be taken. Or, and, and I really feel like anyone coming out of it could have taken something completely different. Oh, absolutely. Because there was so much in it. It was like... And it wasn't dense, like it wasn't just like a conflict. It wasn't something that was hitting you over the head. Mm. But there was just the ideas in it. It was just like this beautiful kind of collage patchwork of all these different ideas. Of, yeah, it's a platter. Yes. It was a grazing. To ch- it was a grazing table. <laughs> a grazing table <laughs> of what it is to be yeah, in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. And we are. I mean, we are a grazing table, aren't yeah, we? Exactly. Like, there's so much, yeah. you know. The, yeah. Yeah, and so much. I suppose it's a great reflection of who we are, really. In that there weren't, it kind of touched on those things because we don't, we're not known for going deep with things. You know, we're not known with for going further. We're not. No. You know, we we yeah. laugh things off. Yeah, we like our like you know yeah. our surely short slogans. Absolutely, we can't, you know. Yeah. Take policy. I should be right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That's really true. I think there was a part that I did resonate with that I think you didn't. Yeah. Which was um, the monologue about the um, the cages and the fidgeter. The, the fidgeter. Yeah. So in so in the play throughout it, there's this um the character this character that's referred to and then represented mm. by an actor called uh, the fidgeter. Who seems to be kind of like the Babadook, kind of yeah. thing, like very much yeah. like, and they had of, made a reference earlier yeah, on to yeah. Babadook. Yeah, so that's kind of what There's I. There's a lot of screen references. Yeah, a lot of mm. yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot more screen references than film references. But then at the end, the playwright came on stage and confronted a picture of <laughs> Patrick White, which was really interesting. And I was like, this is so interesting because I wonder if the playwright wants to be a 
the screenwriter yeah. or, or is scared of doubling down on being a playwright. Yeah, right. Which I get. Like, I'm a playwright. And yeah. I think that, like, obviously there's more money in screen, even though it's, you know, just as competitive, if not more. Well, and absolutely. You went to a, a conversation a few weeks ago where someone asked, oh, where are all the great Australian playwrights? Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, who, who's our... Our, our, cult, our The industry itself yeah, doesn't believe in Australian yeah, playwrights. Yeah, exactly. So there's this lack of confidence so of course you go looking for other industries that absolutely might, you know, be where you can be recognized yeah, and you can status. tell your story yeah. yeah but um i think it's interesting because people that decide that they want to pursue playwriting i think that there's something about the theater that makes you mm. want to pursue that kind of brand or that means of storytelling probably the money yeah <laughs> Well, there's no money anyway. I don't know. I was I was talking to this woman who writes um for for kids between the ages of nine and twelve, and she's like published so many books, and mm. she's like, "There's no money." Like, I don't. I used to think that if you want to be a writer, like unless you're going to write, you know, even that's just Stephanie Meyer and has written Twilight oh, yeah. or something like that, maybe. But yeah, yeah. and then I wonder, like, because sometimes when I'm writing, bye, Kia. That was Kia. She lives here too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I sometimes wonder, like, do do I ever write with the hope that someone will option what I'm doing <laughs> into a film? Oh, do you? Sometimes. Really? Like, I don't think I. I think that I think it goes through my mind very um, briefly, but there is that kind of like you know one day someone might read this someone will take it further and then pay me yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, but it, it's all about it's, it's not about like i guess it's accessing audience is an interesting yeah. conversation yeah and i think that um i think a lot of when, when we attempt to interact with main stage and, and and go beyond indie yeah i think it's not about wanting to change what we do it's more about trying to access a, an audience yeah that's exactly what it is and trying yeah. to shift trying to shift the system, <laughs> what's yeah. happening on the main stage And the expectations in of what Absolutely. a main stage audience is like. Yep. Because main stage audiences aren't different to indie audiences. It's just that, no. that they aren't as adventurous within their marketing. Yeah, as exactly. In, so they get marketed to a certain group of people. And yeah. That's the, so like, okay, well, this is on. I'll go see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's more about just like access to audiences and wanting, you know, cause you, well, I, I write when I think that something is important to write mm-hmm. about. And then, you know, once it's finished, I don't want people to see it because I still believe it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And because so, of, yeah, which is, it's ultimately about the need to shift something, change something in terms of the thinking mm, around something. It's yeah. not, you're not writing so you can get something on, on. or like, so, <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, yeah, it's because something's prompted me to yeah. respond to it and be like, well, hang on, like, is this the way we want to think about and talk about this thing? Yeah. Or is there a different way or can we represent a different perspective? And therefore, yeah, that's, and that, I think that, I think maybe that's the allure of film as mm-hmm. well, because film is, you know, obviously. So much more accessible. Well, you can record what the fuck you're doing and yeah. then you can watch it later if yeah. you weren't there at the yeah. time, kind of thing, like all that stuff. So I think that. I wonder if the, I wonder if Kim Ho, the playwright of um, Great Australian Play, was kind of 
I, f- I found all of those ideas in the play as well. These yeah. ideas between... Because there was a lot of film references and there was a lot of discussion of film and literally there were characters in yeah. this play who were trying to pitch a film. Yeah. And there was criticism of, of theatre in it. Absolutely. Like the the theatre industry is yeah. the diest state. Which we never do. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that he put himself in the film. Yeah. Like it is... It's, it's a self-reflection. Yeah. And, and I think that so within the play that I think there was a grappling with like if you want to tell stories because yeah. there's a lot of like this is how, how do you tell the story the best yeah. kind of thing if you want to tell stories is a play the best way to tell it yeah yeah in a way. absolutely yeah, yeah. Thinking about medium yeah yeah I'm wondering if we should not have revealed that he he puts himself in the play oh, yeah. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> I don't know. We'll put, a spoiler. We'll put I, a spoiler I, at the I, beginning of the episode. I guess, yeah, you kind of want to go in not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Because that... A I thought that was the... set up well and then it did, like, it made the setup in the beginning yeah. clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, oh, in the end, or like right at uh, the curtain call. When, yes! Oh, my God. I think that don't, was that's a spoiler. That was, that so was awesome. Yeah. That was gold. That, that was very funny. Loved it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I think we've we've talked for a while. We have talked for a while. We haven't finished our champagne yet, but, but we've still okay. got half a bottle. Private. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that's people's enough. ears are tired. Yes, and you know we've, we've set our piece. On. Harry's yeah. asleep. We'll do another. I think we will do another yeah. episode next week. Let's do another one because we've got another week to talk about, to. and we've got a lot of work with actors next week. Which we is do. Super exciting. So they'll be wanting to listen to what we have to say. They will them. be definitely <laughs> wanting to hear our voices so outside of the rehearsal maybe room. Maybe they'll listen to us. <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks right. for listening. Thanks nice for to listening. meet you.